As part of the Lenten season, we're going to take a different verse of that piece every week at this time in worship as part of a prayer, a petition, and a practice for us together through these next 40-ish days. As we kick off Lent together or begin the Lenten season together, we're beginning a sermon series called He Comes to Heal. And we start with this passage, this brief passage from Matthew that follows the great Sermon on the Mount. This is what Matthew writes. When Jesus had come down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. And there was a leper who came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you choose, you can make me clean. Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I do choose, be made clean. Immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Jesus said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. The word of the Lord. Join me in a prayer. Gracious and loving God, we ask you to be with us, not only in this moment, but in the days ahead. Be present with us along the way. as we actively wait for the joy that does come in the morning as the psalmist so aptly described. For the hope that is not hopeless and the promise that is not empty. Be present with us, we pray, O oh God. The meditation on our hearts and the words of my mouth be acceptable in your sight for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. How is your health? How's your health? What would you say to that question if I came up to you and said, how's your health? You might say, well, my, my blood pressure's a little up, but it's all right. Or, or I could stand to lose a pound or two, but I'm okay. Or... Oh, my knee's been, been bugging me. Or I've been dealing with a cold. That's how my health is. Isn't that kind of where your mind goes when you're asked about your health? It's where my mind goes. We, I tend to think of physical things. Just the, you know, my body. The mechanics of how my body's working. You know, I'm hurting a little bit right here. I've been sick lately or, we tend to go, we think a lot, in fact, and focus a lot of attention on our bodies, how we look, or how things are functioning. Is everything working properly? Am I getting enough protein? Got to get some protein, you know, got to put that on the list. Get it healthy. The thing is, though, that health is so much more than that. Health involves both body and soul. 
which is why I would like to add the word healing in addition to health. Healing for me is more of a, of a soul word than a physical one. It's a spiritual word. At least that's how I think. When I hear healing, I think spiritual more times than not, which is both good and bad because, you know, when I tend to think of it also as that touchy-feely stuff that I just, you know, that, you know, when someone says, I'm looking for some healing, I hear it in, in this way. I hear, well, I'm looking for some healing, you know, the breathy kind of way you talk about it. Or I'm seeking healing in my life. And I automatically think of a room full of candles and a bunch of weird smells and, and bad, odd music and just a bunch of people sitting around Indian style and, and talking about their feelings all the time, you know. And that doesn't help me so much. <laughs> As, and which is a confession of sorts because it lets you know that I tend to think of that stuff as not part of health, which is not true. It's not true. Healing, as if to say that that's somehow unrelated to health. It's not true. Spending time with someone else talking about how you are feeling about an experience you had or just life in general is important. Spending time in some type of prayer and meditation, however it works for you, is just as important as checking out your blood pressure at the doctor's office. Body and soul are in fact all wrapped up together in this kind of state of unity, you might say, that so much so that if you're not healthy in your soul, eventually your blood pressure is going to be high or you're going to eat too much or you're going to you know, be exhausted all the time and not know why, or, you know, you're going to get sick somehow. They're all wrapped up together. So let me ask you again. How's your health? We're going to spend these coming weeks talking about the healing ministry of Jesus. One of the ways in which Jesus was well-known, primarily known actually, is as a healer. As German theologian Jürgen Mokmann puts it, the healing of the sick is a mark of Jesus' ministry from the very beginning. He also points out something else that I actually had never thought of or realized before. He says that most of the people that come to Jesus in the first place are not presented as sinners, but are in fact presented as people who are sick and in need of being healed or seeking to be healed. Most who come to Jesus in the gospel stories aren't presented as sinners. They're presented as those who are sick and are seeking to be healed. Our story today that we just read, brief as it is, is one of those encounters. It's the first of six, actually, that directly follow Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Great Sermon on the Mount. This is the first thing that happens in the Gospel of Matthew as soon as Jesus stops talking. Categorically, 
It's the third thing that Matthew focuses on in the entirety of his whole gospel. The first four chapters, Matthew spends focusing on talking about how Jesus was born, how John the Baptist baptizes him in the Jordan, and how he was tempted in the wilderness by the devil. It's all set up stuff. Who is this Jesus? And then the next three chapters, chapter 5 through 7, he props Jesus up on the mountain to give his great famous sermon on the mount that we've all heard of before. And he's setting him up in that sense as a teacher with authority. So who is this Jesus? He is this teacher with authority, but he's also something else, and that something else happens directly after the Sermon on the Mount is concluded. As soon as Jesus starts, stops yapping to the people on the hill, he comes down the mountain, right, as our story begins. He's on his way home, actually, to Capernaum, which is not that far away. Probably tired of babbling on about stuff to a bunch of folks. There's great crowds around him, right? That's what the Matthew tells us. First thing that happens, first thing that happens, this man, this, 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 this leper walks up to him. If you choose, Lord, he says, if you choose, I'll be made clean. And Jesus, of course, replies to him, I do. I do choose. It is actually a quite fascinating interchange where there's a lot going on in this brief encounter. There's actually two choices being made, at least two choices. The second one is obvious. That's Jesus' choice. I do choose. The first one, not so much, but it's there. It's the choice that the man makes to say anything at all and to seek help in the first place. To publicly state his condition and ask Jesus for help. That's the first choice. And it is no small matter. If you know anything about what went on in those days with people who were categorized as lepers, they were ousted from the community. The Greek word leper is a word that can refer to all kinds of possible skin irritations and conditions from the very slight of just dryness and some scaling, just hadn't bathed enough lately and that's why the ritual cleansing would happen and they would, and all the way down to something pretty severe. But once it became visible, you were immediately put on the outside of community, not of the community, not allowed to, to interact, not allowed to to be touched, you were deemed untouchable, unapproachable. It's highlighted by the fact that the man says, if you choose, if, it's a big if, huge amount of uncertainty as to what Jesus is going to do. Is this man worthy of my attention at all? After all, he's been put on the outside of community. If you choose, what, what gets me though, what just grabs my heart is that the man chooses to take that chance anyway. With all the possible risks of doing that, with all the barriers that are in place, he chooses to do it anyway. He chooses to admit that there's something wrong and that he needs help. And we're awful at that, aren't we? That's not an easy thing for any of us to do. We don't like admitting that something's wrong with us. 
definitely don't want to seek help for it. Oh, good Lord. Not that. In fact, we spend most of the emotional energy in our lives trying to get around the things that are wrong with us without really fully acknowledging that they're there, without fully admitting that we've got something wrong and I can't do it by myself. I'm, you know, we, we spend a lot of emotional energy. No, I'm fine, I'm fine. I'll just try this thing. This will do it. This will take care of it and I'll be fine. Reminds me of a college friend I can now say, you know, years ago in college. But years ago in college, when I was a freshman, uh, I had a good friend and, and his, our first semester in, well, let's just say that his semester was not going very well. In fact, he failed his first semester and was on probation. And if he failed the next semester, of course, he was out. And so he, he was in a place, desperate, he was willing to try anything, except, of course, actually studying and doing the work. He could try anything else. Anything else. And I, I remember when he came to me with his grand plan. You know, I just wanted to go, you know, if you put that much effort into actually studying, you might. But all right, let's hear it. He comes to me, he says, I've been doing a lot of research, and I've discovered what the easiest classes are. And that's what I'm taking. And I said, what are they? And one of them, one of them, one of them was Hebrew. <laughs> no, I hadn't been to seminary yet. Hebrew was just, I didn't know, you know. I looked at him and I said, I think, I think Hebrew's pretty hard, man. Just taking a wild guess that it's a hard class. And he looks at he says, Andy. He looks at me like I'm an idiot, right? Has that look on it. Andy, I'm Jewish. <laughs> I've, been, I've been going to Hebrew school since I was born. It's in my blood. How hard can it be? <laughs> All right. So I ran, I ran into him after the semester started, right? Y'all know what he said. He, I ran into him and I said, how's it going with Hebrew class? And, oh my God, it's the hardest class I have ever, they really want me to know this stuff. I don't, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know. <laughs> we spend a lot of time and energy trying to avoid dealing with what's often staring at us right in the face, right? Admitting that something's wrong and we need help. What grabs me is the man in the story finds the courage to do that very thing. Something's wrong, he says. And if you choose, you can help me. And that's, of course, when Jesus gives the obvious choice we know of in the story. He does the unthinkable. Don't you know, it doesn't matter if a crowd means five or five thousand. Don't you know that every eye was on him at this point? Everyone had to be looking at him. What are you going to do? This guy's not even supposed to be here. I'm sure some of them are like, you want us to take care of this guy for you? We'll just, 
we'll help out. We'll make this all clean and fine. We'll just kind of scoot him aside. Should we help him? We'll do that. Shouldn't we just, don't you know that that's what everybody was, what's Jesus going to do? He really should just walk by this man if he wants to build any credibility whatsoever. And of course, he does the unthinkable. Rather than walk away or ignore him, he turns to him and faces him and touches him, breaks every practice rule that was in place at the time, touches the man and he says what I do choose. I do. I do. It's no mistake that Matthew puts this story first. Because what Matthew is doing is he's saying to us, this is not your typical Messiah. This is not our typical Savior. This is not a typical God. For in fact, here we have one who will touch the untouchable. Here we have one who will reach out to those no one else will reach out to. Here we have one who will climb over every wall, break down every barrier we can create in order to make sure that every single person knows who God is and how God comes to us. Here we have one who has chosen in fact to reach out to us. For if you haven't gathered it already, we are the leper in the story. We're the one who has either distanced ourselves or been distanced by others. We're the ones that need help. Every single person in this room has a problem. Did you know that? We all have it. No one is immune. No matter how well you carry yourself, you've got it and you know it. We always do. It's part of who we are. The question is, are we willing to admit it? Because. In our spiritual life, we're just like my college friend. It may be there, but we don't always notice what it is. We don't know what to say about it or seek help with it. We don't know. We don't know. But if you want to welcome healing into your life, the best thing you can do is to first at least admit that something is wrong, that something's not quite right. It's kind of just not sinking somewhere, and, and I'm spending a lot of time trying to manage it. Yet it just slowly eats away at our soul to where we end up with high blood pressure and problems. First step in welcoming healing into our life is admit we have a problem. That I know. But I also know this. I know that if we can find the courage, if we can muster up the strength to put words into our mouth and, and look to God and say to God, if you choose, I know what God's response will be. 
That if we can, can bring ourselves forward in all honesty, this Lent, I know what God's response will be. That God will, in fact, reach down from the tallest mountain in the highest heaven, turn and face us and grab us by the hand and, and say, I do, I do choose, I do. I choose. I know that because God has already done it. Already responded. For in Jesus Christ, God comes to heal. So how's your health? Maybe you're thinking a little bit differently now about your answer to that question. You might be saying to yourself, okay, I hear you. I'm willing to admit that there's something willing to admit that I have a problem and that I need help with it. I'm willing, but I don't know what it is. What's my problem? Tell me what my problem is. What is it? We're going to have to come back next Sunday to find out. <laughs>